I mean, yeah, I think that, I think the more that we have critical conversations about what does economic, um, economic, you know, stability looks like for our community and not in excess, but for us to have enough, to, like you said, to have our material needs met. Um, I think that as we work towards that, um, we have to continue to keep figure out what our, what our values and principles are so that we don't replicate the systems, economic systems that have been used to um, to also serve as a barrier to, for other people. Last two days were very, um, what was the word, very hectic mm. because I had I had a teacher childbirth education class yesterday, mm. so just a lot of you know using a lot of different platforms, you know, because everything with COVID. Um, but for today, I just had a chill day. Um, Wednesdays are usually like my calmer days, so I had, you know, some stuff I could do, but I was like, it's not pressing, so I'm feeling much better. I woke up feeling really overwhelmed and anxious, but now I'm feeling pretty good. That's good. That's good, especially on the wind down. I mean, it might be a little early for some people, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, any, yeah. any, any uh, time to, you know, kind of decompress is time well spent yeah I think that with COVID like a lot of us feel like we have a lot of free time and so for me I'm the type of person if my calendar looks too bare I'm like let me plug some stuff in and then end up becoming overwhelmed because that, that stuff you plug it in don't account for time that you need to eat and rest so mm. I'm learning my limits Yeah, that's that's one thing I um I appreciate, and I think it's like kind of um definitely a part of my I guess nature. You can say like if I'm not doing the the most, then I'm not at you know my peak for you know peak mm-hmm. capacity because like any if I'm playing it safe and I'm trying to you know just do a little bit here and there, then it's like uh, the 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 window of opportunity to kind of like just like get distracted and do or or um just do nothing is greater if I don't have like multiple things to to do and I like um I mean I don't mean to you know just go off on about myself but um um I like. Um, having multiple things to, as far as like uh, business stuff or just like you know, um, like anything that 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 keeps you progressing forward. Um, mm-hmm. Like uh, if I'm doing like multiple things and like I can do one thing and then you know it, I can 
let it, you know, just run off and then go to the next thing, you know, do another thing. Because most of the things I do now, um, that you have to, there's 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 so much work that you can do, and then you have to hand it off to somebody mm-hmm. else. So so in that mm-hmm. sense, like while while something's being worked on, you can work on something else, and then you got you know a bunch of things in the queue, and then whatever is done, you just work on that, and then just keep going, keep keeping myself busy. Yeah, and that's all I think. You know, I've been in therapy and, you know, having positive people around you, but people who are willing to hold space for you and, you know, just really being intentional about what you give your energy because so much of what we're dealing with can really, like, drain you. So I'm just, I'm happy. I'm happy to be in a place where I, I have, you know, I'm working, being a doula, and have the flexibility to take a rest day, you know, for myself. So. Mm. Yeah, it's, that's um, great on so many levels to to have control of your day, control of your own time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely... A um, a blessing, and it comes with its own challenges too. So, oh, absolutely! Like this time, absolutely. <laughs> you know, because yeah, staying on top of certain things when it's like up to you, and then you don't want to, mm-hmm. you don't want to be a procrastinator, procrastinator, and then just cram a bunch of work. Right. Mm-hmm. It's I still I still go through that, but I, I think I'm a lot better i'm i'm definitely more aware but um you know it's still it's it's still not beyond me completely mm-hmm. yeah but shoot if you're ready we can uh get into okay i might need you so you just sound just a tad bit muffled oh hold on how about now? That's better. All right, cool. Okay, yeah. That's much um, welcome back to another episode of Intune. Um, as always, I'm terrible with uh, the accolades, but um, we have, you know, a. V- Probably one of the most outspoken individuals I've met, and I've met quite a few people. Um, a very strong person, a warm person, uh, you can. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm terrible with the accolades, but a definitely uh, inspirational overall. Uh, y'all, I got Sequoia with me. Thank you and welcome. I mean, thank you for welcoming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've been telling people welcome, welcome all day. So thank uh, you. I, I feel honored to be taking part on this platform with you. So thanks for having me. I no doubt. Um, 
I've 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 thought to have you on sooner, but I definitely well for myself personally, I just felt like I needed to be a little more prepared and uh just a little more tenured in, in doing podcasting before I have a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. And then also um, um, a few times Kira was like, oh, we should have uh, Sequoia on next. And I was like, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, um, well, everything lines up, you know, when it's meant to be. So um, I've been seeing um, the different other reads you've done with like Kaz and my sister. And um, so, yeah, I'm happy. I'm glad that you even thought of me to become on your podcast, especially, you know, being a creator at Syracuse. I mean, no no doubt. I mean, you, for for kind of like the running theme of how my podcast been, it's kind of like a no-brainer to have you on. And you're, you're in such a... A unique, well, modern day unique field that is depending on who you are and what's what's your stance on certain things. It's like controversial, but it's also like one of the oldest practices, you know, to mm-hmm. human beings. But um, bef- before before we get into that stuff uh, you don't have to get too specific as I you know uh, say to everybody but about where are you from um, so I was born and raised in Syracuse New York um, cool. if you want to be technical I grew up in the town of DeWitt in Simple Gardens across from Lemoyne College cool cool And uh, where did you go to high school? I went to high school. I went to Jake Bodewitt High School. Cool, cool. I think... No, no. You, you and Kira went to JD. I think you're... Mm-hmm, we both. Uh, guess who've been to JD. Um, uh, what about uh, school after uh, high school? So after high school, I went to the University of Rochester... And I got my bachelor's of arts in public health. And then I came back. Um, I came back to Syracuse, and I took some prerequisites at OCC. And uh, I went to SU for a class. And then um, last year, January 2020, I went back to the University of Rochester to complete my bachelor's of science. Um, so I'm a nurse now. Nice. And I... That's it so far. I plan to go back to get my master's um, in order to become midwife. But that has been my educational journey since high school. That's what's up. And congratulations on continuing your journey. Thank you. Hold on. Um, All right. So I'm going to kind of like cycle through life with uh, some of these next questions. But, um, Starting with uh, high school, what kind of student were you in high school? 
Um, I would say that I was a very outgoing person, um, a social butterfly, if you will. Um, I was involved in the arts, so I'm a singer, and I used to I performed in musicals. I was Eveline in the Wiz. Um, I loved acting, loved singing, uh, did cheerleading. Ran track and field with the captain of track and field team my senior year, junior and senior year, I believe. And I was, you know, an honor roll student. I have always um, taken my education very, very seriously. Um, it's something that my mother just, you know, really instilled in us that we need to take school seriously. And then just, you know, especially if you want you know, the the idea that if you want to make it for our life, you got to have an education. So I was always very, very serious about my, my studies. I did not play about my studies, but I also was just, you know, outgoing and, you know, I was, I, I guess people would call me popular, but I, it wasn't in like a smoothy way. I think I just was like, I just love meeting people and like helping people and talking to people. And I used to sing the national anthem at games and stuff. So because I was so involved in, um, extracurricular activities as that how it became popular in that sense mm. um and I think you know for what it was worth you know I was I was you know just the type of person who just wanted to see other people succeed like my you know I was a part of emoja which is basically like the high school version of the BSU black students union so we were planning talks and um planning trips to different colleges so that our students, black students specifically, could see what they could go to or what, what pathways they could go to. And, you know, I started a, a organization called Young Ladies of Victory and Excellence my senior year mm. because I really have a heart for mentoring young women. Um, and, you know, or maybe it was my junior year. I don't know. I did a lot in, in high school. <laughs> but um, I feel like all of that all the things I was involved in, art, sport, you know, mentorship, it has all laid the foundation for what I'm interested in, still passionate about for today. I had to just take a moment to absorb myself, you know, just all the information and also give the audience just a moment to kind of like understand that um you definitely go for it. Like Yeah, I think that I definitely I've, go for it. Yeah, I've always had like that go getter mentality and I think I tended to I had a lot of uh, people in my life who are always telling me, like, you're going to go far, you're going to do great things. And I think that, you know, a lot of that positive affirmation um, has, you know, was instilled in me from my mom, from my, you know, different set of mentors, godparents. My mom, you know, she works as a single mom, so she tries to have different people in our lives who could um, be role models for us. And so I think about, yeah, I just always just was like, Wanted to see people happy, wanted to make people laugh. I used to dress up 
Uh, we didn't have a mascot like a costume, so I used to put dress up and like have a red wig on, tutu, paint my face during like for spirit, um, high school spirit day stuff like that. I just always wanted to, you know, make people happy, and that's that's kind of how what high school was. And then you know, you go to college and you learn about everything else and you realize that these relationships that you thought you got were strong and healthy, you know, especially with the white students, they kind of fizzled out after college, I mean, after high school because of, you know, racism. So I think, you know, to a certain point, I was oblivious to the racism that I was experiencing in high school. And um, it wasn't until I went to college and I started learning about the experiences that I was having, but from the collegiate level and realizing that a lot of things that were said and done to me were not right. So in high school, I felt very good. I felt like excited. I loved my school. I loved my classmates. I loved my peers. But then as I, as the veil dropped um, when I went to college, I look at back on it very differently. You, you definitely uh, mentioned something that I want to circle back to after or no, I'll, I'll bring it up now. Um, you mentioned um, kind of becoming, be, uh, awakening to the kind of uh, racism and treatment that you were experiencing in high school. You you recognized that in college. Now, was that something that um, you know, hindsight? Do you feel that, um, was it something that kind of like, uh, momentarily paralyzed you or did you like deal with it as you went? Mm-hmm. So my first thing is, so Syracuse, I mean, not Syracuse, University of Rochester, they, we don't have like mandatory classes, even though we technically do. So the one mandatory class that we have to take is a writing class our freshman year. And so I took a race, gender, a race and gender class, I think. And during that class, we I do through research, I learned that how, um, and then it was another class. So in college, I took a couple classes about race and gender and um, African-American, like, vernacular. And so during those classes and doing research papers, I learned about how, like, black girls tend to be suspended more. Um, black children get to tend to be suspended more. I never was suspended, but we tend to be called out more. So, like, there was experiences when I would get told, like, oh, it's okay, you're being too loud, you got to be quiet. But then there'll be other white students talking, too. And I was like, well, why are you not telling them to be quiet? Um or, you know, getting given to detention because I was late to um, homeroom, even though I told my my homeroom teacher that I was going to be running behind. Just all of these penis, um, punitive ways of trying to correct my behavior. I didn't realize in the moment that it was because I was experiencing it at a higher level because I was black. And just some of the conversations that, that I had, uh, with peers where, you know, like, oh, a white girl literally asked me, could I fight another black girl for her? And I'm like, Why would, you would never ask another black, white girl that. So when I started to think about my high school experiences, I was very angry because um, I I thought these people were cool. Like, you know, you, you know, a lot of these people I went to elementary school with. So it's like for us to grow up and have spent 12 years of our lives 
learning together and, and to be a senior in high school and have people be upset because I got accepted to the University of Rochester and they didn't. It was like all of this was fake. Like you, you, I began to say, well, damn, what relationships that I built in high school actually were real? Um, and so I, I do think that I want to say it was paralyzing, but it actually served as a catalyst because in college, you know, I went to college during the, you know, I graduated right after Trayvon Martin was killed. And then while I was in college, Michael Brown got killed. So it actually put a catalyst. It was a catalyst for me to realize that I don't, I, this whole time I had been like, white people were like kind of like the center of everything. Like you got to talk a certain way. You got to be a certain way around them. And like, I would notice that, you know, when I went with white friends, I was pretty, I was mostly myself. But you know, you you talk you you was you was code switch basically. Yeah. And so when I thought about how I used to be in high school, um, during college, I was like, I'm shedding all of that Sequoia that used to care about white people's feelings and now I'm growing into the Sequoia who's unapologetic about who I am and about being proud about my culture and I'm gonna call out racism and I'm gonna hold people accountable. Um it really just gave me the reali- realization that you could spend years with people and not know who they truly are. And um, so it, it was hurt, heartbreaking, honestly. I've had white kids inbox me on Facebook for, who I went to school apologizing if they ever did or said something that was racist or whatever. And I'm like, okay, thanks. But it definitely made me um, think more deeply about the people I called my friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and then you think. Oh, go ahead. Sit. Sorry, I just thought about something else. I think I also just think about how was I popular or was I tokenized? You know, what I'm saying like mm. I thought, you know, you know, I, you know, people would be like, "What happened to the ride?" And I look at the pictures. I remember I was like looking at pictures from prom or looking at pictures from. Um, like school dances and I'm the only black girl we all smiling but then when I had a birthday party who showed up mm. like when I would have things um, that I thought my friends would come to those same people who I would go to their houses and take pictures with wouldn't even come to my birthday party wouldn't even come so I definitely it was it was definitely it was heartbreaking I would say yes yeah, Uh, I, I, for for a moment, I was kind of like reflecting on my own uh, like childhood and like certain situations where that you um explained, but you know, kind of like fashioned in my in, in my life where you know you are you know living your life you know carefree and you know th- not thinking nothing of. Uh, your differences but um you know time goes mm-hmm. by and then you just become more aware and start to see you know what certain things are and, and then like being at uh, where we are now it's like you know that's learned behavior like somebody like taught them this mm-hmm. and that's that's the part that's uh that's like really sad. It, uh, it's it's to me. Right. It's I think it. I think of it as being like really sad because of like 
when you're children and you like kind of like hold on to like some some people's childhoods you know you know um they they may be like some of the better days or the simpler days and then you just think about like the good things in your childhood and you might have had like some really what you thought were like really good experiences with such such and such people but then you start to like question you know a good part of your life when you know things like what you just said happen and um, mm-hmm. yeah oh what I was gonna um uh, lead into uh, next after that was um do you think that there's a way to be prepared or or prepare uh, younger kids or uh, younger adults mm-hmm. for that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, because see, my mom, she was not, she really, I, I can't remember her talking about racism directly to us. So, like, if we would come home and be like, hey, this teacher did this or that, and she would be like, what? And so my mother was very much, I would call the school board, board of education don't mess with my children. And I, we would hear her call, like, call our teachers racist or say people are being prejudiced. But then, because we didn't have direct conversations about it, I was like, no, mom, they're not racist. They're not racist. But then I'm like, oh, she was right. So mm-hmm. I think having conversations with students, um, with young black kids and being like, or any kid, just being, just being able to teach them ways to determine, you know, I would just want to kids to know that like if a teacher is making use of a certain way to let us know, right? Because they might not understand that they're against racism. But as adults, as people that are older than them, we can help decipher what it is. Um I also think that just talking about race like people like to be you know, shy away from talking about racism. They don't want to, you know, take away their kids' innocence, you know, they want, you know, but I feel like at some point, at least in middle school, um, you have to start having conversations about, you know, what have black people have gone through in this country and not just talk about the negative, but also highlight the contributions we've made so that black kids can um, understand what the reality is. Like the fact that I went up till senior year of high school and I'm like, oh, like, I didn't think, you know, you hear words like post-racial society and you know, you thinking, oh, things we've come a long way. You get caught up in the hoopla of these first presidents and first, first, first that you realize that no, this does not. Yes, this is a step of, I guess, a step forward in progress. But what does it really mean when Black folks are still being um, being intimidated and oppressed by the government? Um, and so, I went on a tangent, but basically, what I wanted to say is that I think that there are ways to talk about you. Um, one, my summer, I think my summer before, I would say the summer of 2015, I worked as a culture, um, youth specialist for Say Yes. And I taught fourth graders just about hair texture, about natural hair. It could be as simple as like exposing young folks to things outside of their culture. And so we, I had kids who were African, kids who were African American, kids who were from Nepal. And we talked about these 
we just talked about hair and we talked about language and I had the students teaching us a language from their culture. I think that it doesn't have to be like, oh, this is what racism is, this is what it's not. But just exposing them to different cultures can help um, create that understanding of one another. Absolutely. And then on the flip side, yeah, and then on the flip side, I started working with the seventh graders because they was acting crazy. They was acting a fool in the hallways. And so I'm like, we started talking about black history. And so I had them was teaching them black history. They was having worksheets. And you could just see how the pe- the boy, the couple boys who would be a nuisance and would usually not want to do work. When I started teaching them about stuff that were um, relevant to them through black history, those same students would be sitting at their desk getting their work done because they felt connected to what they were te- learning. So I think that it, it does require a lot of creativity beyond uh, what the school system provides our kids. Mm. I try to like let some of the information just you know sizzle a little bit mm-hmm. so people can you know yeah. digest it. It's important. I think that's that's important um, to to I mean to be a active listener and mm-hmm. saying things. But I had um I had. Something to add to uh, what you were just saying. Oh, going uh, back to um, the uh, learning about racism. This, um, I I, mm-hmm. um, I came across like a a video or maybe a podcast or so, and um, it kind of um, explained. I think a situation that a lot of us can really. Uh, identify with is that um uh, we kind of learn racism on the go versus just learning it at home like you have to come up like we we get the lesson or we get the explanation after an event already happens like we have to experience it first before we get like oh this is that this is that and then whereas you know others are taught at home and then you know they exercise it we have to experience mm-hmm. it first get taught then exercise but it's all on the go it's not like no no uh, point of like maybe I might consider this it's like instant new lesson right here right now uh, don't mm-hmm. do this if if a person does that or or if or like how to deal with you know police you know that's that's you know lessons on the go usually yeah because i don't even think people people this how like children we so you know i'm a doula I'm taking a bunch of psychology classes, developmental psychology, behavioral psychology. And so through um, learning about a way that just what you see and in the interactions you witness can impact how you respond or how, or how you determine what is positive or negative behavior. And so I think a lot of times black parents try to shield their kids 
from the evils of racism because we know how, you know, it can affect the psyche. But there are, and I I think that many people are trying to figure out how to um, have these conversations and how to model how to react, right? So um, if, if I feel like parents may be in a situation where somebody might call you the N-word and it's like, okay, how I react might indirectly teach my child how they're supposed to react, right? Yeah. And so I feel like you, so many parents want to, we have every right to be, uh, well, I'm not a parent yet, but we have every right to be upset. We have every right to, you know, call that person out on their stuff. But then you have to think about, well, what is my kid going to learn from that? And so, like you said, sometimes these moments, I don't think anyone prepares me for racism. And that's why it took me 18 years to get to college and be like, oh, shoot, this stuff is deep, you know? Um, So as a future parent, I I do plan to be intentional about teaching my kids about, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, teaching them about the Black Panthers and all all the work that the Black Panthers did. Yes, they fought for our rights, but they also created food programs, um, health clinics. They did so much more that we don't even get to tap into because people only focus on, you know, the militant um, style with the guns and wearing all black. So I I hope to um, teach my kids black history and, um, and make it so that it's not an afterthought and so that they can recognize what racism looks like um, and and it, and hopefully it be it will be. A, I hope to give them the tools to navigate it by centering rest, by centering self care, by um by understanding that what that white person or non black person might say or do does not equate to what your value is. Teaching them that self love, so that as they're navigating through this world, the hope is that racism and any ism that exists in our society does not tear tear them down um, even though that is the purpose of the system absolute absolute and that's and thinking about that now it kind of got me thinking a little bit I mean I got some time before um, my son is you know, able to experience and kind of, like, understand, like, you know, those type of situations. That probably would be, like, maybe three, four years from now. Especially, like, when he can, you know, talk and stuff and express himself. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, it's... And like, I think- yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, which I was going to begin to say that um, it's kind of um, wild slash sad that, I mean, you would have to do that for a four or five-year-old, you know, explain to him that, you know, oh, this is the reason why, you know, some kids may be reacting to you in this way or that way. Um, and then also, um, with him being, you know, of the highest of yellow uh, varieties, because mm-hmm. he's very light skinned. Um, 
so me but in in uh so i have to like kind of like teach them about colorism but which will be kind of like interesting because like how how he would move how he will move through life i will have no kind of like uh idea because we have different complexions but i mean as far as just as being black overall you know just mm-hmm. just giving them you know that that base of uh i mean i i don't i, I wouldn't i wouldn't teach them fear i'm not gonna uh i'm not gonna because i've i've been practicing uh black privilege not in a sense of like how uh Charlemagne talks. I'm not really too fond of Charlemagne, but um, I mean, he he says he says things from time to time. But like, um, how I mean it is like how these uh, college girls just have the gall to just walk in front of your car no matter what light it is, and they just think that you just have to stop because. They're white. I'd be moving along mm-hmm, the street mm-hmm. just like that. And I'm like, yo, you're going to wait till I cross this street. And mm-hmm. and and not doing, and, and I've been working on not uh, doing that thing that uh, I think we would do when we were younger. Probably unconsciously. It's just get out of white people's way when, uh, like when we're walking on the sidewalk. It's like I don't know if people really like pay attention to that, but like, yeah, no, yeah. I see. It's so funny because it, these are the subtle ways that white people try to, and I don't think they even sometimes they don't consciously do it, but it's these ways in which they're raised to believe that they're entitled. They're entitled to the space of the sidewalk. They're entitled to you hold, um, not even holding the door for you. You can hold the door for somebody. You try to walk through, and they just let it close in front of you. Like these are the experiences that are shared experiences um, that we think that, okay, maybe they, that maybe this, this wasn't a good day, but then when you start talking to other black folks, you'd be like, oh, can I pick up the sidewalk where you are too, right? Mm-hmm. Or they don't hold the door for you. Um, and, 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 and using those moments as teaching moments, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think the good thing about like the, our, the age of like social media is that there are so many different platforms that Talk about parenting while black. I just signed up for a webinar that is um, that is focused on black parents parenting black kids. And you know, if there is a, you know, you talked about how you know, even though you you're black, a black man, you might not know all the different things teachers son. And like, there are platforms and spaces for black parents to um, learn these skills so that they can be best equipped to prepare their kids for growing up in this society. So I think that one, it's important to be able to name, you know, name areas in which you need growth or understanding and then be connected to resources so that you can be equipped. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely got to um, sharpen the tools and and even mm-hmm. uh, adapt new ones because Lord knows we all need to adapt to uh, our new norm, which is like 
new norm is is uh is compounded many times over for so many different reasons. But um mm-hmm. absolutely. But yeah, um it's going to it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's going to be interesting seeing what he faces and uh, seeing how I've adjusted to those times, which I think, I mean, it wouldn't be too crazy because I've, I've, I've seen a lot of things. I've, I'm aware of mm-hmm. a decent amount of things. Um, I, I, I think uh, I'd be ready unless if it was like, no, I think I, almost any situation I'd be able to adjust to and be able to break it down for him and, you know, uh, you know, give him a decent example to to follow from. Oh, going back to the uh, uh, black privilege thing, my thing now is just like you really just have to just move move normally. But then just, you know, catch others up to the program. Like, like uh, going back to that, to that uh, sidewalk situation or even I, I, I noticed this in the mall even too. just like, don't, don't, don't uh, stray away from, from your path. Just, just keep walking. If people, you know. Mm-hmm. can't uh can adjust to other people walking in the same uh you know you know walking then you know they just gotta deal with you know getting that shoulder brushed or being walking uh getting somebody walk between you and whoever you're talking to because you don't want to walk four feet apart I mean, this is pre-COVID. I'm thinking about stuff like, like people just want to take up the whole thing, and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, um, you're gonna have to get out the way because you know that you stayed to one side. We all went to school, right? Like, you stayed to your right. I stayed to my right. Like you want to, you want to cross over into the other stuff because whatever. Yeah, I'm ranting, but all rants are welcome. And we and we also have a, an editor. So, if need be. Um, and I think, and I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just hear you. I hear you. And um, it's one of those phenomena. I have not, I've heard that I've only heard the term black privilege used, like, by following or, like, joking me. So it's interesting that, that your usage of the word is interesting in that way. Yeah, and it's sad that it has to be thought of as something. It has to start with things that basic as far as, like, common decency on the sidewalk or in the mall or anywhere where, you know, there's foot traffic. And and then moving up towards, like, common decency, common decency as far as, like, interacting in in public. Like, don't look at me crazy 
when we in Wegmans and you in the way, get out the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if it's if it's anybody else that's you know walking your way and like is is yeah yeah it, I'm I'm thinking about too many situations where I'm just like okay like. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm gonna move on from there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, you kind of uh, shed light on what kind of student you were in college, um, unless if you mm-hmm. need to um, kind of like uh, um, expand on it a little more. Um. Uh, what kind? I mean, of, oh, go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Let me let me hear your question. Oh, I was just going to say, what kind of student are you today? If you didn't have anything else mm-hmm. to add to what kind of student you were in college? So, yeah, so in college, I was the same way as high school. So, <laughs> but the only difference was I became, well, people want to say more militant, but I just think that I became more conscious in the fact, like, of, of my role and place in society. Um, and then college is where I learned about, you know, black feminism, womanism, and all these questions that I used to have in the back of my head when I was younger, I finally felt like I had a place where I could ask the questions in a safe environment and get the answers that I've always wanted. Mm. So college, I, I always say that college, it was one, it was four of the hardest years of my life because it's tough being a black student at a predominantly white school. And I thought that I would, it would be, you know, I thought it would be a, a cakewalk because I went, I've been going to white school with white kids all my life. But the the combination of like becoming conscious of society's ways and how they treat black people and not just black people, black women, it, it really turned things upside down. And so, you know, say, you know, in college, you know, I was an activist. I still, I, I still, you know, I call myself an organizer now. Um, and I'm that person, like, if I learned that something I used to do or say was harmful, I have worked very hard to not, um, to not perpetuate that anymore. So I've, I grew, 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 grew so much. And I, and I, I'm very grateful for the friends I've made in college. I traveled, I studied abroad. And I think that I've always been the type of person who very cherished and love different people's cultures. And so um, I think, yeah. And so I think like my freshman, senior year of high school, I went natural. I was like, I was on my black power. I don't know what happened. I, don't, I think I watched this good hair. And so I decided to wear my afro and everything. And then college just really opened up that black power movement up inside of me. Um, and then today, you know, I'm still, I'm, I love research. I love research. I have always just loved, I, like, I'm the type of person, if I'm watching a movie and it's like any type of historical reference, I'm on Google, I'm, on, I'm trying to find, like, it just knowing, knowing history and, 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 and understanding history and its implications on the modern events that we see, it just, I don't know, it just, it really excites me. So I still am a student. Um, as a certified doula and a nurse, you know, you, you have, there's so much in the field of public health, in the field of maternal and child health that changes from year to year, um, new best practices on how 
people should um, be, what type of care they should be receiving, what type of procedures should they be available to them. So I still feel like a student, even to this day, just a student without deadlines. And um, and just coming out of nursing school, nursing school is, I would never do that again. I'm so <laughs> glad it's over and done with because it was horrible. Like, I'm, I'm just going to tell you this right now. Like, nursing school, nobody tells you how horrible nursing school is. And it's sad because in one class, they'll be like, practice so cute. Take care of yourself. A lot of people um, in nursing suffer from bur- being burned out. And then you look at the number of assignments they've given us and the lack of um, the lack of understanding that they were affording to us while we were studying in a pandemic. It was traumatic. And I'm just like, I, whew, I'm getting loud because just like, I'm so serious. Like going to a PWI can be such a traumatic experience because the institution tells you they care about you and they're so glad that you're one of them and that you become a yellow jacket. But in reality, your experiences do not match up with what the institution said that they, that they care about your student. Right. So, um, there's a quote by Audrey. Is it Audrey Lord? Well, basically she's saying that, um, the university does not love you, but the universe does. And when I learned that, when I learned that phrase, I found myself repeating that stuff to me because you get so, you, you know, I guess I used to get so frustrated. Like, how can this school be trying to stuff on diversity? And how could y'all send me this, accept this letter that mentioned things about me that I only knew that somebody had to take time to be intentional about writing this letter to me. And then I get here and you just don't care about what I'm going through or you're not willing to change make the changes that are needed so that black students and brown students can feel welcomed on this campus and so I had the same experience six, four years, five years later after graduating college, went back to U of R, still had a very racist ableist experience and so now, you know, all of these experiences have informed how I view the world, it informs my work I center my work around black women around black families, around black children, because I've learned and I felt what it's like to be marginalized and to not be cared about and not to be centered and for people to um, try to minimize the painful experiences we're having in this country and in society. So I'm constantly reading articles, researching, trying to improve my practices so that we can get to a point where people can, black people can just not survive in America, but also have very fulfilling and thriving lives. And so, um, I'm, yes, I'm like providing this pregnancy support and childbirth support. But for me, it is, I, I feel like I'm actually changing the trajectory of what black health can look like in our community in Syracuse. So, as I, I say that I am a forever student. I love learning. I, I just love learning. I love, excuse me, history. And I love how it empowers me to create my own legacy and my own um, impact in the city, but hopefully on the world. Without a doubt, um, you'll have... You'll you'll for sure have that impact on the world. I mean, as as far as the uh, butterfly effect goes, 
And especially with you being um being on like social media and and sharing information this the uh, in the same light that uh that Kara is able to share, you know, her knowledge and 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 messages. I see you doing the same and with uh-huh. Twitter being a global platform, you know, you never know who's, you know, in a different time zone. Just you know, might catch a catch a view or insight on whatever you say. So like each day, you know, everything that you that you do has has uh, an actual effect on the world. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and that's why I, and I think oh, go ahead. sorry go ahead no, you, no I wasn't I was just thinking about you know when I first like, well, I didn't even want to come back to Syracuse you know I've had a couple cousins who were murdered here and like when I was a senior in high school I was I was the mentality that I had it was I was, I'm leaving Syracuse I'm never coming back but it was in college that you learn about why violence happens and you learn about like how all of these things don't just happen by chance, that there's a system, there's a way of things, an order of things that lead us to, to these decisions. And so before, you know, I, I'm a very passionate person and sometimes people take a passion as a gushing. And I used, I used to be like, I, the people around me, the people I love and they care about my friends, I wanted them to get what it was that I now had, right? And I was like, I just went to school, I've learned so much. And you want people to see things from your perspective, but because some people have to experience it. And, they, and that's why I tell people, you don't have to go to college, but if you don't have to go to college to learn and to be exposed to things, but college does afford you a different privilege. So I try to... Um, I'm at the point now where I'm just like, there are going to be people who disagree with what I have to say because maybe they don't have the perspective, they don't have the experience. But if there is one listen, if I could help one mom understand that she don't owe nobody nothing, that she owes herself um, peace and she owes herself care, you know, or if I could help a dad realize that it's important to be vulnerable, it's important to be have direct communication, to be able to um, recognize the ways in which they have privilege and they can move through a society and how that might um, impact the relationship. I'm like, if I could just reach one person and one person can say, Sequoia, you helped um, broaden my perspective, then I feel like my work me has meaning and has value and so that's what and it's so funny because me and my sister talk about how we have our own journeys but we're very very passionate about helping black people unlearn things so that we can you know she has her liberation through hair like you love your hair and she talks about the cultural cultural significance and that's the same way with me but with birth work I'm like no yeah. there's history we've been doing this and we gotta unlearn the stuff that we've been told about ourselves and relearn or 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 learn, period, mm-hmm. the the goodness that comes with being black. Absolutely. Um, two things that you um that you mentioned um that um I think some people can would be able to uh possibly finally get about myself is that um I'm 
I'm a passionate person as well. And um mm-hmm. and uh loosely said, um, I don't mean to speak for you, but like people like us who are passionate and have gained some sort of perspective, um true perspective. Not like, um, oh, I just learned something on Twitter and I need to tell the whole world about it because they don't know anything. But, like, something that you, like, actually uh, have gained insight on and it's, like, actual knowledge. Like, when you mm-hmm. when you want something, when you want somebody to see what you see but they can't see it, and you're like, yo, it's right there, mm-hmm. it's right there. It's like, if, mm-hmm. if, they, if they don't want to see it, then they don't want to see it. And then they might just take you as, you know, being a certain way when you're like, no, I, I'm just trying to show you something that can make, that can, you know, broaden her, your horizon or that can simplify, you know, something that's that that you're doing in a way that is more difficult than it needs to be. Um, mm-hmm. I've I've been like that for too long in my life, and it's tiring to uh, to want something for somebody more than they want it for themselves, yes. or to uh, mm-hmm. identify opportunities or this or that. And you know, you you want to be helpful, but um, at a well for myself. Uh, I had to get to a point to be like, uh, you got to help those who ask for it. And and, uh, for those who don't, it's probably not their time. And uh, Mm -hmm. because it's all energy. The energy that you're putting out there, you could be, you know, using that for yourself to better yourself or using that energy to better someone else. Like, if you're trying to, like, mm-hmm. force a, a round peg in a square hole or square peg in a round hole, like, you're, you, you're getting resistance all the time and you're just wasting time. Um, mm-hmm. And, and and I think... Go ahead. I, I, I agree with what you said, that that you sometimes... I I just have, so my, I have two mentors who are in their 40s with black women, and to me, they are... What I aspire to be black, partnered, have, have children, have a house, and are living on their own terms, right? And one of the conversations I just had with one of my mentors, she was just like, "You have, I, I have lost friends. I have lost friends because of my change in my worldview and my viewpoint. And, you know, to have someone who is in their 40s tell me, like, that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, that it is okay to lose friends when it comes to things that you're passionate and caring about. And a lot of people have the mentality that, like, oh, we don't have to agree on everything in order to be friends. But I, for me, I, I care about who is around me. And I care about what the people around me think and view the world. And so, and, and I've, I've kept some people around who I was like, well, maybe I just plant some seeds and hope that they grow, right? Because you, you don't want to just become like so awakened and then you just like F everybody else. But then it has to come to a point where you're like, 
So if your your lack of desire or commitment to evolve as a person, I can it no longer messes well with my energy, my spirit. It's just not what I want around me. And so I'm in a place right now in my life where I've friendships have had to fizzle out and end because of these issues. So for when you're first learning something, it's like I'm not gonna cut everybody else who off who 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 don't like chicken, right? But mm-hmm. If I understand that chicken is harming people, this is an example. If I if I know for sure that eating chicken is harming us, and the people around me are like, no, that's not true, but I know it's a fact. There's sometimes I'm like, you know what? I can't be around y'all if y'all don't realize how chicken is harming us, right? Exactly. So that I say that just about your different life perspectives. It's like, can I can we disagree on? what type of mates we want. Yeah, you want what you want, I want what I want. But can we disagree? But there are certain racism, that's not a non-negotiable. Homophobia, it's a non-negotiable. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are certain perspectives that I am willing to end friendships and relationships with over because I know that for every person that I end up losing, there are other people in my life who now can see me as someone who feels safe enough to confide in and, and to and to, you know, connect with. So when you, you it is hard because just because you're rejecting like people's mentalities and life perspectives doesn't mean that you're rejecting that person. You still can love people, but love is not enough. People have to grow. And if they're not willing to grow, you have to be okay with letting them go and and letting them be whatever it is. Absolutely. Uh, very important thing to adjust to in life, and um, I think definitely um, going back to what we uh, were mentioning um, earlier is um, I think that was that would be definitely something to kind uh, to teach younger people and um, have them you know get a get a, get that in their mind. At a younger age, so they don't, um, because I, I I see some people they 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 sit on and dwell on the loss of mm-hmm. um of certain uh situations when you know, and they think that you know that's that's their whole life, but it's like yo you know you've you've got grandparents and they're probably Mm -hmm. double maybe triple your lifetime you know you've got that much more life to go through and you know learn about uh new friendships that come along i think um this is a sort of a tangent but all tangents are welcome most of them um Mm -hmm. i think it's in it's important to talk to the older family members about, mm-hmm. you know, their life. And a lot of things that, that we uh, go through could be handled in just talking and in, 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 uh, having that desire to, uh, to learn and and seek out that information and not being uh, afraid of um asking questions. Mhm. 
I'm always asking questions. I love sitting and recording conversations back from my grandfather. And especially because, you know, some of our, so much of our history as, as, as you know, descendants of um, enslaved people has been lost. So I agree with talking to your elders, asking questions, finding out. And I love, I remember I asked my granddad, like, like, how did it, what was this experience like, you know, when, when MLK died and when Malcolm X died and like, you know, Jane, like, it'd be like, oh shoot, my granddad was in his 20s when these things happened. And like, you know, just hearing their perspective and understanding. And I think that it also gives you a broader perspective because sometimes we see people as just our mothers, our fathers, our grandparents, but we don't always see them as human beings as alone, right? People who have life experiences that are worth hearing. And I think that it is really important to talk to people and and hear about what they've been through and what they've witnessed. Community. I think that's like that's like something that was not even an afterthought for us like years ago. Like there, I feel like there was always communication from top to bottom, mm-hmm. and just like um, just handing down certain lessons and really knowing like who you're family is um i'll uh avoid this other tangent and uh hold on just a second All right so i want to um ask you about how you got into The ways of the doula. Mm-hmm. Like the ways of the doula. That's so funny. Um, like, yeah. Where, where so, did it come from for you? So, long story short, the first time I ever saw a baby born, I was like thirteen or fourteen. I can't remember. And I had so I was diagnosed with ovarian cysts, and I've had multiple surgeries. Um, and so going through that experience, just learning about like my ovaries and, um, you know, my reproductive future at 13, 14 years old, having to have these conversations about children and stuff, it, it, it opened, it just made me interested in women's health and maternal and child health. And around that time when I was just diagnosed with ovarian cysts and I had just had my first surgery, um, I was my the person used to I spent time with she was pregnant so I got to spend a lot of time with her because I'm really working and I was out of school and so I was like 13 14 and I saw her son reborn and I was just like ah. like you know you had that moment where you're like this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life mm-hmm. um so every since I 13 years old. I have been on the path to where I wanted to be an OB because that's all I knew. So I learned about midwifery. So we fast forward to sophomore year of college. No, freshman year of college, I took this class into the U.S. health system. And, and, you know, we learned about the healthcare system, learned about, you know, capitalism and its impact on health outcomes. And 
you know, I have written, I have papers that I wrote about premature labor and all of this stuff since middle school. Like, I was writing about this stuff. So, freshman in college, I took a class. And um, let me back, back up. So, before I went to my freshman year, my cousin was pregnant. So, I was like, you know, I started saying, well, I should probably try to help people um, while they're having their babies to get experience from my resume. But it kind of just took off after that. So, I saw my baby cousin born in August. August 2nd, 2012. She went to college August 22nd, 2012. And took that class, into the U.S. health system. And I had did a final paper on, like, the rising rates of U.S., uh, the rising rates of C-sections in the United States. And through my research, I came across doula work and doula care. And, you know, there's many, many, many benefits to doula care. But the main ones that is there, this evidence that shows that doulas um, help to reduce the C-section rate, um, improve birth experiences and birth outcomes. Um, less People are less likely to use pain medication and have medical interventions when they have a doula by their side. So after that class, I was like, oh, this is exactly what I've been doing. Like, I need to become a doula. And that summer after my freshman year, Next thing I know, I was on um, somebody. My old pastor had posted it about, oh, there's a doula pilot uh, program, and I was like, hey, that's exactly what I want to do. And it really feels like fate, like the way that everything unfolded, like the way that I had did this research project, learned about doula care, wrote out my goals that I wanted to become a doula, found out about a doula pilot program, and ever since then, since 2013, I've been on this journey of supporting people who are, you know, pregnant or um, um, just had their child or enduring childbirth. So if I would say it was like a line, kind of like the 13th, so like a series of events that brought me to it, but it was particularly my freshman year of college when I learned about dual care. That's, that's dope because um, that kind of like echoes something I've um, brought up in previous podcasts, like when when you're searching for your it or like when you're moving. Oh, I was saying um, when you're searching for your it, like, um, like mm-hmm. what it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Just like asking that question or having that initial thought, it sets you on the path. And but if you you know do the things to continue on that path, life will move you through it. Versus you mm-hmm. you know trying to you know zig and zag, like you were moving through it, and then like just life was bringing you all the resources it was like oh i want to do this right and then mm-hmm. and then everything mm-hmm. came towards you and exactly that's yeah. exactly that's exactly how it went it was just like when i tell you like, like i said going back to how what type of student i was i have always been driven by learning and then I, and and like you know, just writing, I don't even, it's just so funny to me. Like, I was 12 years old, like, I was in middle school writing about pregnancy, writing about preterm, and like, 
like, you know, this is what I was studying at, at 12 years old. So, like, to give you a perspective of what the type of kid I was, I was, like, really worried about grown folks' stuff, you know? And, uh, and so, as I am, like, you know, like, I might not, I, you know, I, I have to remember, like, I sometimes, sometimes when you have to, like, get invited to speak somewhere, and I'm like, oh, well, I'm just, I just have a bachelor's or, you know, I'm just a doer. No, like I have to tell myself, girl, you've been studying this for, for since you were 12 years old. Mm-hmm. You know what you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and as someone who does not have any kids, like I've had to uproot these insecurities. Like, girl, you do not have to have kids in order to help somebody and teach them what you've learned and you've dedicated literally 12 years or 14 years of your life to studying. So the, like you said, life has brought me to this point and, 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 and the things that I did beyond even what I knew what I wanted to do really has brought me to this point where I'm able to have this wealth of knowledge and experience to help other people. Um, in in addition to, for a lot of people who um, may feel like they don't know what they um will know what they want to do, they um usually what you end up doing for your job or what you could do for a job in the future is like something that you were passionate about when in your younger years. Mhm. But I think some people just don't, they they get discouraged if they don't see, like, um, somebody who looks like them kind of, like, paving the way. Or if they, I mean, because, like, for every job that's out there, majority of them, there's somebody doing exactly what you want to do. It's just that, you know, you have to figure out the the steps in between. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As long as you can, you know, identify your um your destination, just move in that direction, no matter what the path is, because like that's the right path. As long as you can identify what um what your a what your uh what your destination is, as long as you're going towards that destination, you're eventually gonna get there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's other stuff yeah. in between that, but like that's that's the root of you know becoming successful in, I, in general. Yes, and I and to to piggyback on that, it also I I cannot tell you how much my life has been impacted by people who believe in me. I think that makes a big, big difference. I think that there we have many black kids who are creative, who have big dreams, but not everybody, unfortunately, has people around them who says, yes, you can do that, right? Yeah. Um, or not, you know, even though my mom was a single parent and, you know, my sister and I, we had to, we started working, we was like 14, like it was, that's just how we had to do, right? So I've been working since I was 14. My work ethic was built while I was still a kid, but you know, I was still able to, I had, you know, responsibility that I had to, you know, how to work and make my own money um, to take, you know, to supplement things if I wanted it. But I also was still able to experience childhood, right? Mm-hmm. And so if, if, if what I'm thinking about is what are the barriers? Um, and I don't like it. I did not like it in high school because a lot of high school white teachers would be like, you already to be more like Sequoia. No. 
do not do that, right? Like, I do not want to ever be used to make another person, another black person, a black kid or a black woman, oh, you need to be more like the queer. And I, I used to hate that because it's like, I didn't like that. I didn't like that spotlight, right? And um, so, yes, I think that the thing I really wanted to stress was that, like, yes, like, I don't want to, I'm not self-made, right? There's a lot of people, there are a lot, there was a lot of money that was paid on my behalf for my tuition, you know, I had grants. There are so many things um, that worked together to get me to this point. But self-determination in and of itself was a huge factor, right? Because you can have all things applied, afforded to you, but if you don't apply yourself, then you ain't gonna likely won't get as far as you probably want to have unless you're a you know, really rich person would connect, which I was not. Um, so yeah, I do. I just want to, I just, I really want to just thank, thank the people in my life who have always believed in me. Um, and I mean, I, the dreams that I've had, I've had since I was a little girl and I'm so glad that I don't, I cannot remember any adult that was close to me who ever told me that I was dreaming too big or that I would, that sounds crazy. You know what I'm saying? I'd be like, I'm about to run my own center. And they'd be like, okay, we got, we, we know you are like, you know, they're like, we, we can't wait to see what you do. And so I think that that has also played this huge to have a people in my life who affirmed me since I was a little girl has made a huge difference. And I'm, I'm I'm grateful that that you've had that experience because the information that you've shared with I'll just say the world because Twitter is you know open to such um at least for myself is um it's opened me up to a a lot of different things that I haven't considered, things that I don't have to consider. Mm-hmm. And I mean, don't have to consider um, on the day to day. And with that, I can, you know become a better uh person suited for uh situations in in that field. Mhm. And um and I'm sure that is that is affected, you know, more than just myself. I mean, I our our peep the engagement is there. Mm-hmm. I know it's gonna. I know it's gonna expand even more. So, it's, especially with um, this, uh, I'll say this community that is uh, emerging. Well, it's not really like complete community, but most of the people that um, that we both know commonly. There, they are uh, making some things happen, 
but we're but to me it's like we're all doing it at the same time so that's where i in my mind it's you know a certain community is like intentionally but also unintentionally just like emerging and it's all people that are from here and i think mm-hmm. it's uh mm-hmm. and i think it's dope that for the people that i know that um that we all share, that we all share the commonality of um having traveled um feeling a way about Syracuse but then also uh recognizing uh, um opportunity that we mm-hmm. wouldn't have been able to identify if we haven't left and then come back and then also identifying the opportunity for adjustment growth and um and uh the beginning of a an actual community because people like yourself, people like Kaz, people like Kara, people like Keela and many more people are are moving in their light and what they believe and soon enough there will be a street like Walton maybe I wouldn't even put a maybe on that I'll, I'll say for certain because I want to put that energy out there that will that there will be a street like Walton Street that'll have black shops I mean they don't I mean that'll have um Black businesses or just businesses that are not all white. Almost, mm-hmm. I almost tipped mm-hmm. around that one. But, I mean, it is what it is. Black people owning businesses. I mean, they all don't have to be black. They could be Spanish businesses. But, um, right, and 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 I think the thing I love about it is it's not just businesses to just benefit ourselves, but benefit businesses that are committed to the community. That's um, that's exactly that, what I mean. Thank you. Mhm. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I just I I'm grateful, like you said. I'm I'm so grateful because I when I first graduated from college, I was nervous because I knew that. I already knew that, like, you know, I was being this. Was, I grew up in a very Christian community, very Christian um, circles. And so a lot of the, the thoughts and beliefs I have right now will be considered, like, outside of the godly, God, what God called her, or whatever case may be. And so I used to be so worried of, like, who am I going to be friends with? Like, you know, and, I, and I'm grateful that um, over the course of the past five years, I've been able to meet people who we don't all share the same specific beliefs but in my opinion the people I'm connected to all share the the desire to grow and learn from others and and we could do this way and and, and disagree and have dialogue respectful dialogue um, and grow from one another and I think that the one of the most beautiful things about human beings is people who are willing to grow you know, and people who are like oh I've learned all I have to learn those are the type of people that 
they'll be stunted because as long as we're on this earth, we are going to be learning something new. And um, I just think about like the people who have supported my events. I put on so many events between last, you know, between 2018, 2019. And not only do these people came to my events, but kept coming back. Right. So it's like, dang, I I look back through pictures and I'm like, I don't have so many events and these same people support me. And it was so special. And, and, and it's just, it's so much of this world, what we're dealing with is so much negativity. And so to have these moments with people um, from your city, right? Because you always talking about Syracuse, but Syracuse has so many genius, creative, and passionate people. And I really feel very proud to be from Syracuse and to be connected to the people that I'm connected with. Amen. And I'll tell you what, you definitely said <laughs> something I'll... Um had put up on uh, my story not too long ago. And I was having a moment of, uh, uh, well, it wasn't a complete moment. I stopped myself. I was like mid thought of like belittling, belittling myself and just being like, damn, I don't do enough. And then, then immediately I had like a voice in my head, just like, yo, Cut yourself some slack. Like you've really done a a whole lot. Like, like especially for this year to be twenty twenty one. Ten like the last ten years have been like really, really something else for myself. And I've really done a lot in the last ten years, and I needed to mm-hmm. give myself some props for. It. Making it through, uh, improving, and um, and being able to um, actually learn lessons I needed to um, embrace and, and, exactly. and become better from. Definitely something. I think that. Um, I just think that that's it. That's it right there. You know what I'm saying? I think that as black people, you know, I think it's just a, it's a socialization and this idea that we're lazy. Like, I think like it's a condition, a, a psychological conditioning that we interpret or, or become conditioned by indirectly or directly. And so I'm always like, even I, I'll be talking to take rest. I'm like, rest my people. Like, 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 you know, sleep like relax forget grind culture like this stuff is killing us but even myself i find myself like i, I could be doing a million things i remember i was saying like a couple years ago i'm like i'm not doing enough and i'm like on this e-board that e-board like girl what are you talking about you do it more than an average person you know and but when you when you have a sense of urgency around all the different ways that we are impacted by capitalism, by racism, by sexism, you like when you see it and you feel the urgency, it's going to make you want to do more. But you, but in order to not lose your mind, you have to be like, I'm doing enough. And that's in what I'm doing and what I'm contributing to society, what I'm contributing to my community. It is enough. And this is my lane and I'm going to stay in it. And that's something that I have to repeat to myself every day. 
every day because I care about black people so much. Like it, I could cry. Like I care about us and I care about our history and I care about our future. And I have to tell myself, girl, you only can do so much. So do what you can do and do it well, do it wholeheartedly and everything else will have to just be. Absolutely. Because it's, it's, it's more, it's others that are, that are moving in their path and whatever you can't mm-hmm. pick up, you only got two hands. You only got such a aspiration to, for certain things. But like, there are others who can pick up the slack for whatever they're pursuing. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why I am excited for everybody um, who has started a business and is serious about it and is really passionate about it and is moving forward. Um, confidently, because you know what they what they do now is going to lay ground for uh, what we will be able to do in the future, which I see currently is. You know, um, like a northern Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But I'm, and it's possible. I'm a, I'm definitely a dreamer, a big time dreamer, and I I see that for it's a possibility. I mean, I'm not saying it's exactly going to happen because a lot of things need to be put into place. Or need to happen for something such as like a black enterprise like Atlanta to exist here. I mean, yeah, I think that I think the more that we have critical conversations about what does economic um, economic, you know, stability look like for our community, and not in excess, but for us to have enough, to, like you said, to have our material needs met. Um, I think that as we work towards that, um, we have to continue to keep figure out what, what our values and principles are so that we don't replicate the systems, economic systems that have been used to, um, to also serve as a barrier to, for other people. Mm-hmm. But I agree. I think that it would be nice to see some more mom and pops on the South side it would be nice to see some, you know, refugee folks opening restaurants and shops on the north side and really being able to have um, an equitable chance to provide for our families. And then also, I mean, my my personal model is um, I like to think of what's missing, just filling in the gaps. Because one thing that I am definitely aware of i've i've observed um a bunch about syracuse and one thing that we do or one thing that happens here a lot is too many people will step on each other's toes by chasing the same thing at one time mm-hmm. when Whereas right now, 
all the people that I've mentioned before, all the people um, who have been on the pod so far, they are going after their own lane, finding success, and it's all cohesive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's nobody, there's, I mean, competition, okay, but competition for the sake of just doing something because you see somebody else being getting money from it that's it's 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 conflicting because one of y'all where where you could find something uh, uh, a niche that was complementary to somebody else's business and you mm-hmm. can create um a cycle for the money to go mm-hmm. instead of just having it be we're both competing for the same dollar that money could go around exponentially before it leaves but instead a lot of people have been you know, opening the same restaurant over and over again or mm-hmm. doing the similar businesses instead of just being like, okay, if I'm going to sell, uh, if I'm going to sell grills, I can sell charcoal instead of just being like, oh, if they, they selling grills, I'm going to sell grills too because they, I see this, they doing it profitable or doing, you know, doing good with it, but I'm going to undercut them. And then, you know, you're in competition for who can undercut each other and then both of you are out of business because, you know, your expenses, you know, far outweigh your gross. Yeah, and, like, before I go, I wanted to say... um, Last thing I wanted to say was why I love working in a cooperative model. So I, so San, um, I'm the, one of the co-founders of Sankopa Reproductive Health and Healing Center in Syracuse. And when you like when you work with a model of people, it's not about hierarchy. Like we don't work in a hierarchical model. Like yes, there are people who have, have more responsibility, but when we make unilateral um, decisions in the work that we I have Bluefoot Queens Zenji Yoga and Village Red International we come together to create the center and we all have our unique attributions and the things that we contribute to the center and I'm just imagine if like folks went in we had like um, people like right so like say three different cultures of cuisine for food and if we had a cooperative model where you know, maybe two days the Caribbean person um, has sells food, and then the next day that you know soul food is sell, and like it's different people coming in, right? So that's that's three businesses operating out of one place, and just think about that's one mortgage that three people have to split. That's one that's one electricity bill that three people have to split. Like if we think and we start thinking about models that. Um, that can work for other people, I think we would get much further. Absolutely. And 
I don't, and I don't view, I don't view anybody as my competition. I think that what's for me is for me and what's not for me is not for me, right? So it's like, I am, I love helping other doulas come up. There are plenty of people who are having babies. I cannot be the doula for everybody, right? So it's like, I'm not going to go, that's the next person's hustle because we need more doulas, right? And we need more people who are willing to come together to succeed. And so, this is like, uh, this probably will be, have to be a whole other conversation, but okay. what could financial stability look like for our community th- th- through a cooperative mo- uh, model or a collective model that is not rooted in? Um, and it's and this hard because capitalism, we're all indoctrinated by it. We all are, we are living under this system. We all trying to make, you know, save up for the rainy day, but how can we do it in a way that makes sense and not just benefits me as an individual, but benefits the people who work with me. And not on no pyramid scheme type shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, excuse me. I'm going to hear this. Leave that out. Sorry, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm always, like you said, I agree. I'm a dreamer. I'm always dreaming. And I'm always like, I just feel like, I just feel like the possibilities for black freedom, black liberation is endless. And Angela Davis, one of her my favorite quotes by her is that you, she's like, you got to dream up whatever liberation looks like and you got to work towards it every day. So somebody must have, she said, like somebody must have told a slave one day, you ain't going to never be free. You, you, like, you crazy trying to go to the North, but, but look at us, like, slavery ended, that form of slavery ended, right? So yeah. it's like, when people tell me, oh, that's not going to be possible, I'm like, to you, to you, this might not be possible, but to the right folks who understand and understand the power of collectivism, it, it could be some real game-changing stuff. Absolutely. And I, I hope to, um, be an example of that with the ventures that um, I'm pursuing. I mean, it's a lot mm-hmm. that I'm doing all at once, but that, you know, as is my nature to bite off more than I could chew. But I mean, at least uh, the things will be started, and hopefully, somebody who has the passion for it will be like, oh, they, uh, they somebody has you know done something that I like in my own area, like well I mean for example I got the uh, um, this magazine that I'm starting and for any um, you know kids out there who had the thought of being a journalist like they will be able mm-hmm. to you know come uh, get some experience um, doing that when you know I get the magazine you know fully going and you know they can they can feel uh reassured with um so uh with the avenues that i'm uh gonna move towards uh getting going for for our area mm-hmm. yeah well i think that's i think that's amazing and um I really hope that I, I really I'm excited to see where all of us are in the next five years and ten years from now. Absolutely, sure. Even by summertime this year, um, I'm excited to see what what people how how 
how the right. growth is going and whatnot. Um, I normally have, you know, a few more questions, but you had you've answered a lot already on your own. Um and I definitely appreciate your time. But um do you have about like three to five pieces of advice that you can give to uh younger people or people in general who are on in the beginning stages of uh figuring out uh what they want to do and how they should go about it and stuff like that. Um yeah, so the the first piece of advice I would say is always be your most authentic self, right? Being your most authentic self, meaning I, I've grown each year. I, there's a piece of, there are, are pieces of us that we have in ourselves that we really wanted to be, right? Mm-hmm. And so because of our social conditioning, because of the way we raised, you know, it's hard to really live in that truth. And so each year, I just bloom and I keep blooming through who I know I am in the inside and I want to be on the outside. So I would say to be okay with being your authentic self. Um, I show up as myself. It's the coil. You get all of me. And and if people don't like that or people can't accept that, then be okay with finding people who your energy matches well with. I think my second piece would be to write your goals down. Um, my mother taught us this since I was a kid. So like every, you know, write your goals down. There's something magical about just putting that down, the pen to paper, um, you know, coming from a Christian background, you know, write the vision, make it plain. It's so important. Like I've written goals at the beginning of the year. And then I, at the end of the year, I'll look back and I've accomplished them. Even, even if I've never looked back at that list. Um, so same time, figuring out what type of life you want for yourself, and um, and write it down. And then the third piece of advice I was I would say is to um, find people like minded people who are who care about you, who love on you, and who support you. Right. And this is and the support. I'm not saying that your friends have to buy what you sell or things like that. I mean support. Like, are they willing to listen to you when you are trying to strategize? Right. People. I, my sister helped me. My friends who don't know nothing about doula work, I, I strategize, I talk through things with them, I decompress work with them. And even if that's not their specialty, having people who will love you enough and care about you enough to help you sort it out is amazing. And so if you don't have those people, um, put yourself out there, go to virtual events and try to find those people who you aspire to be like. Um, first piece of advice, I would say don't let other people's doubts cloud your vision for yourself. Mm. Um, I'm the type of person, if I say I'm doing something, I'm doing it. And if somebody tells me I can't do it, it is really bad because I think it's a leo on me. Like, if you tell me I can't do something, oh, baby, I'm going to tell you I can't. I'm going to show you I can't, right? <laughs> but you doing anything in life should not be because you're trying to prove something to somebody else. Yeah. Prove that you, what you need to do, because then because when you go start trying to prove yourself to somebody else, that might take you off the path that you're supposed to be on. Mm-hmm. So I would just say, know what your goal is and and have tunnel vision and pursue that goal. Don't worry about the naysayers. 
because if you have enough self-determination and if you have the right people around you to support you, you will achieve that goal. Um, so that is my fourth piece. And my fifth piece is to love yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And loving yourself, you're going to, it's like, you're going to have high moments where you really, really love yourself and you're going to have low moments where you just like, mm, I don't know. Find people who you can share those low moments with um, because so much of this, so much of these, again, an entrepreneur and following your own path, it can be lonely and it can have a toll on our mental health. So just something that I'm trying to work on is like thinking about what I used to do when I was a young girl that used to make me happy and doing it as an adult because I have to find peace and don't be so consumed with pursuing the goal that you don't take moments to check in with yourself to check to um to have these moments where you're taking self care of your mental health and i am a, a huge advocate of going to therapy and having a professional there so you could check in because so many times i'll be so hard on myself and i'm like girl you're doing this with no mate no money limited platform right so it's like don't be too high on yourself set goals set long short-term goals long-term goals but check in with yourself love with yourself and I I want grind culture to be abolished. Sleep, 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 and take <laughs> care of yourself because what I just think about myself like what is what is it to work so hard and grind and not get sleep and have high blood pressure and and have health issues because you're trying to grind towards something. Take time to take care of your health and know that you your time on this earth. Is not as short as you may believe, and so use this time to actually take care of yourself, be well, and um, and pursue your goals. And that's that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Amen. That was powerful. Well, yeah. I, I want to say thank you for your time, and really. Really appreciate you, uh, uh, you know, setting setting aside time to make this happen. No, I thank you um, so much for having me. Um, I love this. I love talking. Um, so yeah, I appreciate you just taking time out to chat with me, and um, keep doing what you're doing, and. You know, hopefully, maybe we'll chat again in the future. Absolutely, absolutely, and I'll have um, a video in the future. Um, before you um, okay, uh, get off. Uh, where, where can uh, people reach you? Yes, so you can follow your girl on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dula for a Queen. That is spelled D-O-U-L-A, the number four, A-Q-U-U. No, I don't know how to spell Q-E-N. Q-U-E-N, Dula for a Queen. Um, that is my name on all social media platforms. I am also a singer. So if you want to follow me as I touch my toes back into the singing world, you can follow me on Facebook, Sequoia Iman Music, or you can follow me on TikTok and Instagram at Sequoia B. Singing with an A, not an I, and Singing. Um, chit chat with me. I love to engage with my followers. 
I'm getting back into singing, so I don't have any videos on TikTok, but there will be videos in the coming weeks. So follow me as I learn how to use that platform. And holla at your girl. If you are somebody who is pregnant or planning to become pregnant in the future, please connect with me. Um, it's never too late to get information on how to become a parent. Um, and I'm here to support Black women, Indigenous women, women of African diaspora. And yeah, I'm just your neighborhood friendly doula. <laughs> hey, thanks again for uh, for your time and for your information. No problem. Thank you, and um, I will be in touch with you. Um, and looking forward to the episode. Word, word. And thank y'all again for tuning in to another episode. Peace.